Good morning, everybody. How are we all? Not good, it seems, but... <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, just thought I'd say I feel so blessed to hear all those amazing testimonies. I feel like I almost don't have to do anything for us to come out of this morning uh, full of spiritual nourishment. Um, so, yeah, today I'm doing a bit of a one-off preach um, and I'm going to be preaching on a man who you probably have heard of called uh, John the Baptist. Um, and I will start by saying that many of you who know a lot about John the Baptist will be relieved to hear that I'm not going to be preaching about how we should all do the John the Baptist diet of honey and locusts. Neither will I be preaching his fashion advice, although I do hear that camel hair might be making a comeback. No, I have two main points that I think particularly stand out about John that we can learn from. These are, one, that John's whole life, from birth to death, was pointed to Jesus. And two, that John was just one singular man who had such a huge impact and role to play. So without further ado, I'm going to read the passage, um, we could be looking at uh, Matthew 3, verses 1 to 12. Um, if you have your Bibles, do open it. Um, I sort of apologize, it won't, probably won't come up behind me because I didn't get around to doing the PowerPoint. Uh, please forgive me, um, and I'll forgive you for not bringing your Bible. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, in those, Matthew 3, verses 1 to 12, in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and throw into the, thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I am, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for you to move today. 
I pray that my words that I speak today would not be from me, but they would be from you through the Holy Spirit. I pray that as we look at a man so dedicated to pointing to Christ, that we too will be able to follow Jesus with a renewed hunger today. Amen. So, my first point of the passage is this, um, that we see John's whole life, whole ministry and life purpose was to point to Jesus. John's role was to pave the way for Jesus by baptizing people and talking about the Messiah who was to come. And then when, when Jesus did arrive on the scene, by telling everyone that this is the guy that had been prophesied about who would bring salvation to the world. The first words we hear John speak in this passage are repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So we see him even at this first mention talking about the arrival of Jesus and the need to repent. That is the turning of the way from sin in light of his coming. And at the end of the passage in verses 11 to 12, he said this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. This is him directly pointing to Christ and telling the people around him who Christ is and what he would do and what he would say. So why did John make sure that his life was so pointed to Jesus? Well, firstly... John knew that he had a part to play in God's plan for bringing salvation to humanity. How do we know this? Well, Matthew quotes in verse 3 a section from the book of Isaiah, who, was prophesied about, who prophesied about this moment around 700 years before John was even born. To put that into perspective, that's like someone in the like, 1300s talking about us in 2024. The verse that is quoted is Isaiah 40, verse 3, which goes, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. This verse clearly prophesies John's role in preparing the way for Jesus. Secondly, we know from Luke 1, verse 41, that even as an unborn baby, John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit. And this caused him to leap for joy in the womb when his mother, when his mother Elizabeth, was in the presence of Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus at the time. This shows that even before he was born, his life was pointed to Jesus. We know from elsewhere in the Bible that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is guide us and guide us towards Jesus. So as we know that John was full of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would have helped John focus on this role, this difficult role of pointing to Jesus. Thirdly, we know that John was aware that his life was not about himself primarily, but that his life was about Jesus. In verse 11, John the Baptist tells us that Jesus is so much more powerful than John, and that Jesus is so much greater that John is unworthy of even carrying his sandals. 
In the Gospel of John, the Apostle, that is, we are told that John, the Baptist, that is, also, also said this, he must increase, so, but I must decrease. Or the NIV puts it, he must become greater, and I must become less. Which was, not him, which was him saying, Jesus is the one who needs to be glorified, not me. It would have been very easy for John to, sp- to soak up a lot of the fame he was getting for the sort of controversial message he was preaching. But instead, he continued to make a point of pointing to Christ. John knew how great Jesus is. And so he knew, almost ironically, that the more his life was about Jesus, the greater his life would be because he would be living for something greater than himself. Now, I don't know if anyone can remember who won the Rugby World Cup um, in, back in September or in October. Um, it was, of course, South Africa. Um, Um, I am not so happy about that (laughs) as an England fan. Uh, Well, some of the guys who who commented on the match and several of the matches made an interesting observation about the South African rugby team. They said that it seemed like the team were playing for something more than themselves. And in fact, they were. Many of the teams, it turns out, are committed Christians. And the captain, Sia Khaleesi, especially, has spoken explicitly in the media about his faith and, how his, fa- and his foundation, which is in God. It is so interesting that to outsiders looking in, they can often see when someone's life is dedicated to Jesus, whether that person is crying out and boldly cr- proclaiming like John the Baptist, or whether they are doing their jobs with heart and determination, like the South African rugby team. And this also applies to us. If we are intentional about making Jesus the center of our lives, then I do believe that people around us will see Christ in us, even if they don't quite understand it fully. If we are intentional about living for Christ, both through our words and our actions, then Christ's love will radiate from us. So I encourage you to look at your life and ask yourself this question. Does my life point fully to Christ? Will others see Christ when they look at us? Now, this doesn't mean that you must be perfect at all times, Because if that was the case, I would be totally unqualified to be standing here to talk about this. This is about having our eyes always set on Jesus and aiming to glorify him with everything we do. And we can do this even when we find it tough. Because we, like John the Baptist, also have the Holy Spirit in us to guide us and to reveal something of Jesus to those around us. Also, let us recognize, as John did, that this life is not primarily about us. I'm sorry to say. That is because it is all about 
the God of all creation. And this is great news for us because it means that we are living for something more than ourselves, that we have great purpose and that we also have great hope. And because we are living for God, we know that everything we do, therefore, has the possibility of having a great eternal impact. Now, this brings me on to my second point. John was just one person who had a significant role to play in the kingdom of God. This man performed no miracle, yet people thought he was the prophet Elijah, who raised a boy back to life, stopped the rain at some point, and cast fire down from heaven. It is just so incredible to me how God took a man who didn't have nice clothes. He didn't have nice food. He didn't have the backing of a large church or a missionary society. No, he was one voice crying out in the wilderness. All he had was the message that God gave him. And that God wanted him to say. And that was all he needed to pave the way for the greatest person to ever grace the earth. That is Jesus. He may have been one man and just a man, but he was predestined by God to be in the position he was in. He was prophesied about beforehand by Isaiah, but he was also proactive. He did not neglect the opportunity that had been given to him by God and boldly made the way for Jesus and stood up for what was right, even though that would eventually be what would get him arrested and killed. Another singular man who had an impact in his situation that was given, that he was given, was um, who stood up for good when not many other people would, was a man you may have heard of called William Wilberforce, who despite political opposition, campaigned throughout his life for the abolition of slavery. God used this man, this one man, to spearhead an abolitionist movement in Parliament, which ended up successfully passing laws in Parliament that would move to ban slavery in the UK and its colonies. Another example of God using one man in a different way to John the Baptist but having an impact where he was. So, you might feel similarly to John sometimes, like a lone person in the wilderness. Whether that is work or your social circles or a family where you are either the only Christian or where being a Christian puts you in the minority. But I believe that whatever situation you are in, God can use you in amazing ways. Like John, God knew you would be where you would be before you were even born. Even 700 years before you were born. Even if there wasn't a specific prophecy like the one about in Isaiah about John, we know from Scripture that God knew everything about us. And where we would end up 
before the foundation of the universe. This includes every situation where we feel like we are alone or that we are alone standing for Christ. And so let us, like John, try and be proactive as well. This could be standing up for injustice and hypocrisy, which John certainly did in this passage when talking to the Pharisees. It might mean telling a family member about Jesus or inviting them to church. Let's look out for opportunities to show God's love in situations whether we are actively telling people about Jesus, which I encourage you to do, or whether we are simply showing them something about him by the way we act. Also, when we talk about John being just a man, let's remember that God was with him and he's in us too. This, of course, makes a lot of difference, the world of difference. Why? Because we know of God's power. We see epic stories of God's power in both the Old and the New Testaments. We see, also see his power today. For example, healings and amazing answers to prayer, which we heard about a hundred before I came here to preach. Um, <laughs> So whatever you have coming up in the next week or coming months, I just want to tell you that God is with you. And that because God is with you, you have the ability to make a difference, an eternal difference at that. So the question is, are you ready to be used by God in that kind of way? So to conclude, let us refocus our lives today. Let us look at every area of our lives and make sure that from the most mundane to the most exciting areas of our lives, we make sure that whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God, as it says in the Bible. And if you know today that you have lived your life a bit off track, if today you know that you have not made that step to make Jesus the center of your life, then I give you that opportunity to do so today. If that is you, I so encourage you to speak to someone after the service. I'll be happy to speak to you and pray for you. Richie's here, Quincy's somewhere. Yeah, so I do encourage you to make that step. Um, you won't regret it, I promise. So I'll... Um, pray to finish and then I'll hand over to Richie. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for examples of great people, both in the Bible and in history, people who do great things for you. And I pray that wherever we go tomorrow and this coming week, Lord, that you will be with us and that you would help us to have an impact where we are whether we see it or whether we don't, Lord. Help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to shine God's light out of us or, yeah, something less cheesy than that, but um, sounding than that. But, yeah, Lord, I pray for boldness for each of us. Um, amen. amen.